Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Uh, as a pastor, you come to see a whole range of different things throughout your ministry. You see situations like someone saying that, uh, that they've just been pulled into an office during the week and they've been handed a yellow envelope and someone's told them after 20 years of service that uh, their services are no longer needed. Uh, you have moments where um, people celebrate the excitement of a child and then they discover that um, there's something happening in the life of that child that was not expected and there's a condition and it's something they're going to have to wrestle through for the rest of their life. You see moments where people said we've been married for 30 years and we don't know what ha- what's happened but uh, we're getting a divorce. You see people who uh, have family members or friends that they've loved dearly and uh, and something's happened, a car accident, or they've stepped the wrong way and that they're no longer with them anymore. And so you see all these sorts of moments. I've even, even had these moments this week where I've, uh, I've, sat, with, I've sat with people, uh, one who'd lost his wife just recently and yet there was uh, still a, a strength and a, a joy within him that was almost inexplicable. I sat with another one of our beloved members who had a heart attack on the golf course this week. And when, it, when I was sitting beside his bedside, he was still his usual cheeky self and cracking jokes and, and trying to make me smile while he's got tubes coming out of him. Now, here's, here's the point of this. As a pastor, you can see all of these sorts of things happening, but the most remarkable thing in these things, particularly for the people of faith, is that these monstrous circumstances in people's lives can happen to people and then you see mysteriously that people come out the back of these Not weaker, but stronger. Not defeated, but triumphant. They come out the back of these situations with a rock-solid, unshakable faith. Wouldn't we love to have that sort of faith this morning? Would you like to have that sort of faith this morning? You see, because what we've been learning in this series, the DNA of faith, is that that sort of faith is possible. That faith is neither a trick nor a talent. These people that I see in my ministry are not people that have been mysteriously gifted with the ability to get through these circumstances. But rather that God wants to grow in you a big faith, a deep faith, a faith that will strengthen you through these sorts of times. And so over the past five weeks, we have been looking at the DNA of faith. Uh, There they are there. I don't need to summarise it again after Annie's wonderful summary this morning. So if you're on the podcast, go back to the website and look up what all of those different things are. But they're these five building blocks of faith that are not in the book of Genesis somewhere. They're just what we observe in people who have lived big lives of faith tend to possess these things Practice teaching, the, pro, the, the purposed relationships, practical service, the disciplines. And this morning we want to talk about pivotal moments. Now the problem with this one is how we grow. The problem with this one is in the passage here as we see in verses 3 to 6. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord the one you love is sick. And when he heard this Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, get this, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, the translation in the NIV doesn't really get this across as bluntly as it should be. Uh, It's a lot blunter than that. It, It literally says this, he loved Lazarus and therefore he stayed where he was until he died. 
He loved Lazarus, therefore he stayed put. That's exactly... Question, what is up with that? <laughs> what, is, what is up with that? He loved Lazarus. This is, not, this is not all the other people that wanted his attention. This is Jesus' BFF. And the NIV says he basically loved him so much, therefore he stayed put. How do we wrestle with this? And this morning what we're going to go through has the possibility to create a whole new category of your theology this morning. It's an uncomfortable category. It's a mysterious category. It's one you're going to have to wrestle with. So let me throw it out here to you. But could it be possible that God, Jesus, engineers negative circumstances into your life so that he can grow your faith? We can feel it. Yeah, you're saying, what is up with that? But it may not be that far-fetched. Uh, here, help me, help me out here. Can I have a show of hands? We don't do all this often, but is, is, is there anybody here who've had circumstances in the grand arc of your life or maybe your spiritual journey where you've had circumstances, you've had situations, events come into your life where you would say, look, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't want this. If I knew it was coming, I wouldn't have asked for it. I didn't want to be a part of it. I wouldn't wish it on anyone else. But when these things came into my life and I got through them and I look back on that, I'm so thankful that they came into my life. Is there anyone here who's a... All right. Good to see what I'm working with. (laughs) So you already know that when these moments come into our life, it's possible that God does something in the middle of that. You know then the possibility of these circumstances that you wouldn't have signed up for, and, but you say to yourself, I'm sure God has done something in that. Now, what you have experienced is one of the toughest, but one of the most powerful building blocks that you can find in faith. And it's this, it's what we call pivotal moments. That moment where a defining moment, a time where it seemed like God was far away, where you were angry at him, where you were frustrated with him, but then you get through it and on the other side of it, you look back and you say, God was there and he grew me. That's how God often grows our faith. And the amazing thing about it is that they could be positive or negative. Um, the positive side of things, you've seen people when they've been on mission trips and, and they've had an incredible experience of God. But more often than not, it's on the negative side of things. That phone call, that news, that lack of a phone call from a loved one or a child, that thing that injects itself into your life that you never asked for and it hurts and it stings and it's painful. And you find that it's in those situations that it's those moments that that, that God for some of us is either introduced or reintroduced particularly if you're a religious person and you've been praying and you've been attending and you've been ticking off all the list of the things that you need to be doing for God and it's in those moments that you suddenly find that prayer is no longer a routine but a deep source of comfort and and a deep spiritual experience with God and on the other side of the spectrum if you're not a religious person it's in those moments when life hits you like that that you actually find yourself praying have you ever noticed that? That, that often people can say, oh, I'm not religious, and then a crisis hits, and they're praying. So it's those moments in which they have the power to draw us closer to God. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf 
world. So if you're new to Christianity or you're checking out Christianity or you're sceptical about Christianity, which I can be at times even as a pastor, um, your response to this might be, well, you know what, that's just a Christian's way of band-aiding and stitching up a very big problem that they have. And their problem is that that God says that he's a good God and God promises all this stuff and, 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 and he's good and he's righteous and he's just and he's for them and he'll never leave and forsake them. But then on the other side of the spectrum, why is it that such bad things and horrible things happen to good people? And so many sceptically and rightly so think, well, this is just a Christian way of, of taking that placebo pill in order to cover up a deep problem with Christianity that, that God allows bad things to happen to good people. But you see time and time again that there's an undeniable relationship between these big, bad, unexpected, ugly circumstances and our faith. And it's not an accidental relationship. It's a purposed relationship that God has woven into the very fabric of his creation in order to build trust in him. And even Jesus' own brother wasn't excused for this. He saw Jesus on the cross. He saw the church in Jerusalem being persecuted. He watched his brother die. He, he saw people die because of their faith. And then James writes to those people experiencing this, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, what's that word? The testing of your faith develops perseverance. So in other words, James is saying there's a connection between these pivotal moments, these circumstances in your faith. It grows you. God is up to something in the pivotal moments of your life. And these are one of the primary things that God uses to Grow you. And so, in the, this big passage of John, this is one of the, the great illustrations as to how God does that, how God engineers this in there. And, and when you hear this story, I know what the tendency is. I've heard this story before. You jump ahead. And if I asked you, hey, what's, what's the pivotal moment in this story? What, what would we naturally think the pivotal moment is? It's the cave moment, you know, where he calls Lazarus out. The, the, the stone gets rolled away when he's, he's, there with the, he's there with the stone. And as the King James says, it stinketh, you know, and Lazarus walks out. We think that is the pivotal moment, but I actually think this is the pivotal moment. This here where, where, where Jesus has said this sickness will not end in death and that news gets back to Mary and Martha and they think that's fine, that's fine and then they're waiting and they're waiting by his bedside and the fever's getting worse and worse and, and they're hoping that Jesus would hurry and they know that he's promised that he won't die and he gets sicker and sicker and sicker and then he dies. He dies and he turns up late and this is what they say. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And so I don't, I don't want us to, to miss this here. Here's the first thing. If you're in a pivotal moment, your response makes all the difference. Your response makes all the difference. I, I've searched through the, the background wording of all of this, the, the Greek in this, to get a sense of the emotion out of this. Because I've always imagined that for, for Martha in that moment, she would be like many of us in this place. Jesus, if, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you? You were late. And when you look at how it's written, that's not how she's talking. Her response is not, you promise breaker, you liar. Where were you? It wasn't that. It was like, it was, it was, if you had been here, you would work this out. But 
But Lord, I know that God will give you everything you ask. Now, I know in speaking to a room like this that there, there are lots of people who are in a Martha situation right now. That you, you, hear, you, hear, you hear all the great promises of the Bible, like delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give these desires of thine heart. And I know that there are some of you this morning that are saying, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wanted stuff and God didn't deliver. Or I've wanted stuff, but you know what? I've been waiting so long for that to happen. This is, I've just resigned myself to the fact that it won't happen. But here's what this teaches us. So often, Jesus delays to the point that our human mind cannot see how he could ever fulfill his promises. And when you're in that moment, you have to make the choice that Mary or Martha did. You make the choice to say, in that moment, as I'm waiting for his delay, and by the way, God is never late. <laughs> He's late according to our timing and our agenda, but God operates on his own agenda. But you have to make the choice to say, as I'm waiting, am I, am I going to get bitter or better? What is your response going to be in this moment? Am I going to get bitter or better? Better? Look at Mary and Martha. Of course there's emotion. Of course there's disappointment. Of course there's frustration. But they refuse to let the linear thinking of their small minds get in the way of the furious love of Jesus for them and for Lazarus. And so they say, Lord, I trust you. Now, here's the health and safety warning. You ready? A little yellow tag that comes with this message. Yeah, in that choice, you have a choice. And... And when you're in the middle of that pivotal moment, when you feel like God is doing something to you, that's when you begin to lose faith. When you choose to believe that God is doing something through you, that's when you begin to grow. And like you've always heard me say, Christians in these pivotal moments never ask or cry, God, why is this happening to me? They say, Lord, why is this happening to me? In other words, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you growing in me? What are you shaping in me in this moment? You make the choice. I'm going to be better. I'm not going to be bitter. Now, let me show you something else because some of you are going, that's, that's, that's fantastic. But you, Sam, you don't know what I'm going through. And, and you know what? It feels like God doesn't know what I'm going through. And then look at the way that, that Jesus acts. Jesus comes striding up to the tomb. He can... Something's going on, and it's rank. <laughs> and then we have the shortest verse in the Bible. Wherever you laid him, he asks, come and see. And then Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see? See how he loved him? And what we see here shows you that even if you feel like God is absent in the middle of your pivotal moment, this story assures you that God is not absent, but in fact, he's very present. And what's even more astounding is that Jesus has knit his heart together with ours to such a degree that he feels our pain. That's what happens when he cries. It's like this, you get to know this as, as you become, if you've got the privilege of being a parent, you, you understand there's many joys with that, but you also understand very quickly that there has been a chain attached from your heart to your kids. And I know I speak to many parents that understand this dynamic that unless your kids are happy, you're not happy. 
And if your kids are wayward or your kids are unhappy, there's just something within you that can never fully settle. And so what we see in this passage, if that is true for us as earthly parents, how much more do you think that is true of the cosmic relationship that God has with us as his heavenly children? You think God likes that you're in the middle of this sort of moment? But furthermore, you think that when we see that, no, no God, no God of all the religion weeps and sheds tears. And when we see his tear in the middle of this moment, it means when we feel our tears rolling down our cheeks, we know that he is simply present. He gets you. No other God is this grounded. And only, only until you see Jesus' tears, can you be assured in the midst of your tears that he's not doing something to you? Crazy language of old religion that somehow you've sinned really badly or there's something deep within your life that God is punishing you for. And when we see in the tragedy of this moment that God just simply cries at the brokenness of this world. And so, could it be possible... Could it be possible, you don't have to answer this today, you're going to have to think about this, that Jesus didn't just leverage a situation, he engineered a negative situation. Could it be possible that he sat on his hands for two days just to say in who, not just the Jews that were going to be down there debating the track, but his volunteers, the followers, the disciples, you boys watch, wait, see this, I'm going to grow your faith. Mary, Martha, I'm going to, I'm going to grow your faith. These, these were the future leaders of the movement, not just the boys, but the women too were some of the future leaders of this movement that was Christianity. And he says, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to inject some pivotal moments, some negative circumstances that will grow your faith. Could that be possible? So as we finish this morning, you know, what makes the difference between us in these pivotal moments either leading into God or leaning away from God. Because how many times have we heard stories, and we hear them all the time in this place, that, um, the, that I, I believed in God and then something happened in my life. I, I lost someone, I lost a relationship, I lost a child, and so I ran, I ran away from God for like 20 years. Or that I thought I believed in God and then a Christian hurt me badly and the church hurt me badly and so I've run, I've run away, I've run away from Him. What makes the difference between leaning into God or leaning away from a God? Most of the time, the biggest determining factor is who you're doing life with. The people you're surrounded by, because when it seems like God is nothing but a big disappointment, and we've got to be real, that's a real emotion. And that's okay to feel. Psalm 88 says, even darkness is my best friend. I call that a daddy's a poo-poo moment, right? (laughs) God's big. My kids say that to me, I try not to laugh. Your heavenly father is big enough to absorb the emotion and the anger and the frustration and the pain that you feel today. Maybe some of you just need to hear that this morning, that it's okay to feel that. It's okay to say daddy's a poo-poo because of his tears and his furious love for you. But most importantly, don't do it alone because when you feel like daddy's a poo-poo, then the best place for you to be in that space is around other people who know that he's not. 
your connect group, in worship, with two or three people in church that have the opportunity to speak into your life and say, I know that you're feeling that and I'm sorry that you're feeling that, but can I help reframe this perspective that you might have on him? Can I help you see that there could be a different way in this? Can I help you also see, and we've got to understand this this morning, that pain is nothing new. If the tears existed a couple of thousand years ago in Lazarus Town and the tears exist today, then pain is not an argument against God and tragedy isn't proof of anything. Tragedy and pain are part of the story. And at least one case here, tragedy and pain was the story that Jesus created in order to show how he can grow people's faith in him. And Philip Yancey said this, I love this, he said, Therefore then, there's only one thing worse than disappointment with God. That's disappointment without God. <laughs> so some of you might think that the without God life is the life that you want to choose because you're that angry, and you're that frustrated with him. And yet Yancey's words speak to all of us who have either been in or are in that moment this morning. And so my simple advice for you this morning, if you are in despair, if you are in the middle of a pivotal moment, would you just add something to your prayers? Because you're going to be praying, right? Whether you're religious or non-religious, if you're in the middle of a pivotal moment, you're going to be praying. Can you add to those prayers of like, God, heal him or heal her or heal me or fix this or bring this back? Will you just add to your prayer, God, I need to see you in this. I just want to see you in this. What are you doing in this? He's making us, if you want to know, he's making you real. I share from that great children's story, The Velveteen Rabbit. Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes. But when you're real, you don't mind being hurt. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. There are people here, they've got eyes falling out, loose joints, <laughs> not just physically but spiritually. People here are absolutely at the end of their rope and you are falling, literally falling apart. I want you to know this morning that your pain and your suffering, these pivotal moments, these are not bumps along the road. These are not exceptions. They are part of the story. And Jesus Christ says to each and every one of us in that moment, not only is it part of your story, but hey, it was part of my story. And if it was good enough for me, then it was good enough for you. And in fact, our story can't become his story. A story of triumph in the face of hopelessness. A story of victory when we thought all that was lost. A story of resurrection after death. Our story can't be his story until we first, like him, enter it with an acceptance of the pains that are there. Unless we have, like he had and he engineered, a few pivotal moments along the way. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.